When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. From Autosport.com and Autosport Magazine, I'm Martin Lee, and this is the Autosport Podcast. Max Verstappen's 23rd pole position in Formula One, his first in Monaco, and possibly the best qualifying lap he's ever driven. That he's finished. See what I did there. Let's get up to speed with our man Jake Boxall-Leg, who is in Monaco this weekend. Not the first time he's there. He's covered Formula E when Formula E's been in Monaco, but it's still, I guess, the first time you've covered it for Formula One. So a very special experience. JBO, welcome to the podcast. How is your Monaco experience going? It's been very good so far. Thank you, Martin. Um, obviously, very, very different to Formula E. The media centre is a lot more full. Formula E is usually a bit of an overtaking extravaganza because it's one of the bigger circuits on the Formula E calendar. We're staying in in just outside of Nice, so we're not quite living the Monaco luxury life, as it were. But um, we're looking forward to tomorrow. I was joking with uh, with Codders on uh, on WhatsApp this week about uh, last year in the media centre when they a certain journalist uh, hoovered up all of the complimentary light refreshments and sandwiches when uh, all the other journalists were working. I was winding him up on on messages this week and he said, no, seriously, we're currently buying our packed lunch boxes to take into the media centre. And I'm like, you see the glitz and glamour, you see the boats, what you don't see is hard-working autosport journalists packing a lunchbox in Monaco. But... You know, you've got to have your sandwich at lunchtime. So exactly. It's, like it's not, not glitz and glamour. Oh, that was an incredible pole lap from Max Verstappen. Everyone, of course, is ter- talking about the final sector where he overturned a four-tenths deficit to Fernando Alonso, who had the pole position almost in his pocket. And before that, Esteban Ocon. It was a really competitive qualifying. I think one of the most enjoyable sessions of Formula One of motorsport that I've watched in a really, really long time. It was really competitive. All the advantages that the teams have got, particularly Red Bull with their aero and any engine advantages, it's just all dialed down here. And so very, very tight, very competitive. It felt like anybody could have been on pole. It is, of course, Max Verstappen. He had the most amazing final sector, but I don't think he's the whole lap is getting enough credit, but we'll get into that in a minute. What did you make of Max Verstappen's pole lap today? Well, as I, as I said to you off air, um, the media centre was all watching very, very intently and uh, Fernando Alonso put in his lap and everyone was like, ah, a different pole position winner. Uh, someone that's not a rebel on pole. But uh, the more eagle-eyed people were like, well, Verstappen's still doing a lap. Uh, Sonoda's still doing a lap. Um, you know, one of them is more likely to take pole than the other, but let's see. Um, and I think a lot of people maybe wrote him off after the end of sector two. Uh, he was two tenths down at that point, but he'd already done a lap earlier in the session, actually, um, where uh, Alonso would set the fastest time of the session. And then Verstappen had been about two tenths down and then nailed the final sector. Brilliant through the swimming pool and through Raskas. And suddenly he's three tenths up. He did exactly the same again on that final run. Um, I think people were looking at that second sector time. The commentators particularly, you could kind of overhear it. Um, They're going, oh, he's two tenths down. Uh, But 
they just had to watch and wait. And uh, as Verstappen sort of unwound to the lock from the Rask house, got through Anthony Noakes and uh, crossed the line, he, he'd found uh, that two tenths plus extra change. So uh, it was a, a very, very strong, very strong, very strong lap and a very strong final sector. People are just talking about the pure, sheer driving talent of who we saw. Not just Max Verstappen, but certainly it was just incredible to see him doing so well today. But Fernando Alonso as well. He came so, so close to uh, to starting on, on pole. On a different day, do you think Aston Martin were right to be optimistic about uh, about today? Uh, I think so. And I think, well, they've... they've- exceeded their expectations because uh, Aston Martin hasn't been, been you know it's a fantastic car obviously but it's strength from the race not in qualifying and um, you, you know Fernando Alonso said in the press conference that P2 is actually you know something that the team can be very very happy with it's a front row start and um, you know even if you consider that maybe the Rebel at the start isn't quite as strong as the Aston Martin you know maybe not Fernando Alonso doesn't think it will be too much of a, a an advantage because the first uh, the, the straight is so short Verstappen was pretty unstoppable it took just one mistake between Alonso's lap and Verstappen's lap to change the picture but it was a very very clean run all the way through everybody was just showing their absolute best and um it was so close it was just 0.084 seconds between them but um I think that's kind of the measure of the uh, the measure of the pitch, really. Just amazing, incredible. Now we were talking about how how awesome Max Verstappen was today. What we also need to mention is that it's a it's a terrible day for the team because they've got a really big rebuild to do before the event tomorrow. As Sergio Perez at San Devot had a really really big off. What do you make of that accident? Because it was a big hit. In Q1, where he wasn't particularly under pressure, Christian Horner mentioned that he might have been distracted from, I think it was Nalpine coming out of the pits. But what did you make of Sergio Perez's big off today? In Monaco, it's all about where you select your breaking point. And everybody's going to try and push that as hard as they possibly can because uh, the less time you spend on the brakes, and if you can carry as much speed through the corner as you can, then you're going to find the lap time. And uh, turn one is very, very make or break. And um, we saw through practice as well that um, if you've got the confidence through that corner, you carry a huge advantage through the entirety of the first sector because it, the rest of it is so rhythm-based. You know, the run up to through Beau Rivage, up to Massenet, through Casino Square and down to, to Mirabeau, you carry that advantage through. And it's so, so important to get that corner right. Distraction or no, Perez just overcooked it, to be honest with you. Uh, and you could see him trying to get back control of the car because, you know, he clearly lost the rear end at that point. He was trying to put the same steering lock in. But when you're trying to do that at a faster speed, either you understeer slightly into the wall or you oversteer and then correct and go into the wall, which is uh, what ended up happening. So it is ultimately his mistake, and he has admitted to that. Uh, I think he was beating himself up pretty, uh, pretty badly. Ultimately, he did make a very, very costly mistake. And P twenty in Monaco is—it's not like he can do what he did in, uh, you know, Bahrain in uh, twenty twenty and um, go come from all the way from the back and win. Um, it's going to be a huge challenge to even get any points. To be honest with you. 
And because of the way the marshals are so good at what they do here, it's a street circuit that they've got plenty of practice of re- removing cars. We saw it with Lewis Hamilton. Toto Wolff joked about it. Like, oh my goodness me, that car was in the air a long time. And and the same with Sergio Perez. Now, if any if anybody was uh, still wanting to have a really nice high def set of photographs of what the underneath of the Red Bull looks like, the way to do that is to ensure that it's lifted up on a big old crane, um, which is just the the worst result. Now. Uh, we will get into uh, Mercedes-Benz because, of course, as our technical editor, I'm sure we want to pick your brains on on that. But we do have a penalty to get into in qualifying. It was Verstappen, Alonso, Leclerc starting grid. Leclerc will start sick, though. Why was that? So uh, he has been given a three-place penalty, and that's because uh, he was found to have blocked Lando Norris in the tunnel. And it was pretty clear-cut, to be honest with you. Norris was on a lap. Uh, Leclerc was dawdling in the tunnel and it's really really difficult for the drivers when you go through the tunnel because as you're coming through Portier and you go into the tunnel suddenly the change in light conditions that can kind of blind you a little bit you have to take a split second to kind of adapt almost um, uh, and you can kind of see it on the onboard cameras as well and, and you know Lando has that moment to adapt to the, the change in light conditions and oh there's a Ferrari in the way and uh, he's trying to get around and he's not quite sure which direction to go eventually he goes down the inside as Leclerc pulls off to the to the side but it was pretty uh, cut and dry to be honest with you um, the only issue was that we were waiting around for quite a while for the penalty to drop, maybe like two hours or so, uh, when it was like, honestly something that possibly could have been done in two minutes. But um, that's neither here nor there. We we got the we got the result, and uh, he starts sixth. So, what is that? Is was that penalty? Was that a grid drop penalty, or was it his fastest line time being deleted? What's the actual no, that's a, sanction handed out, if you like, to Leclerc? No, so that's just a straight three-place grid drop in that he, oh, okay. he did a bad thing and uh, <laughs> has to pay the price for it. So um, Absolutely. So it starts with Verstappen leading on the clean side of the grid, Fernando Alonso. Uh, Verstappen, double world champion, much more mature driver, but ultimately as hungry as ever. If it's a 50-50 going into the first corner, look, he's up against someone who is the ultimate chess player, you know, Fernando Alonso, uh, can always bail out, I suppose, and, and cut the corner. If it's a 50-50 going into Sandovot tomorrow at the beginning of the race, what do you think Max Verstappen's going to do? Do you reckon he takes the long term and thinks, you know, I don't need to, I don't need to crash here, uh, or does he want to win this one? What do you reckon? He he wants to win. Um, it's it's as simple as that, um, and he'll so. he'll have the inside line for it. So it's going to be quite tough for for, for Fernando to get past. Um, he's going to have to get a monster start and then cut across um, to ensure that he, he he gets that line. Max can just kind of stay where he is, and if Fernando's on his outside, uh, he's going to run that to the wall and and make him back out of it. Basically, that's that's how it usually is. That's how it usually goes. Um, he's a smart cookie, Fernando. I think he'll he'll know what to do. So it does. It entirely depends on on how it happens tomorrow. Uh, if Verstappen's a little bit slow off the start, then equally Alonso is going to pounce on it. Uh, <laughs> yeah, it's going to be box office tomorrow because you've got two drivers who I think fully respect each other. This is Alonso's best chance to win a race this year. But on the other hand, I suppose, you know, he is thinking the ultimate long-term you know, game and, you know, a second place trophy would be a very good result for Aston Martin um, in Monaco. But, but also that should be Sergio Perez, shouldn't it? That's the difference, isn't it? Between Perez and Verstappen in that 
to beat Max Verstappen over the over the course of a season. And there's been a few people talking Perez up. Oh, he can win the championship this year. Um, I think there was that message, and it wasn't there in Azerbaijan, where he was like, oh, you know, we can still win. Like, our side of the garage can still win. Well, you can't. Over, you could, you've got to beat Max Verstappen over the course of a season. And you're not going to be world champion by binning it in Q1. Like, he's build up to that and, and, and at least push Max completely. It was... Did you get a chance to talk to Sergio Perez or any of the Red Bull team about that? It's just an absolute disaster for 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 you know Perez. It's just a the so-called street circuit expert <laughs> to be pushing that hard that early. That's just not how you're going to beat Max Verstappen over the course of a season. No, ultimately it's about how high can you jump. And uh, every time Perez sets the bar, Verstappen sets it a little higher. And you have to you know keep going and keep going, and they do keep going and keep going, and ultimately. Verstappen's going to be the one that jumps the highest and Perez will eventually hit the bar and that'll be that. Um, I think that's just, you know, it's not pulling favourites. It's just ultimately comparing the two. Um, and that's the way it's been over the last couple of years since they've been teammates. Um, that's that's ultimately it. And, and, and Perez can, on some days, Verstappen won't be able to jump as high. But um, over the course of the season, yeah, um, he's, just, he's just going to be the stronger driver. And... Perez has to do something differently and trying to do what Verstappen... Because we, we saw this with, with Lewis Hamilton and Nico Rosberg. Rosberg was trying to do what Hamilton was doing and in 2014, it got him pretty far, got him very close to the end. In 2015, it didn't really happen. And so he had to do something different. And it was all about how do you win that mental battle? How do you put your teammate in a position that they don't want to be in mentally? How do you exert that influence it, it, you can't just necessarily try and do it on track because Verstappen's a prodigious talent and Perez is I think he's he obviously wants to win a championship but I don't think he'll necessarily go to the lengths that he needs to do to do so absolutely well that's uh he, he shouldn't sleep well tonight because that is just a massive massive uh, mistake for him that's me being uh, kicked out of the Sergio Perez Fan club, no doubt. I'll get my marching orders on that one. But I think he's had a, had a stinker today. Look, who hasn't? Well, that would be Esteban Ocon in the Alpine with Renault Power. That's not the best on the grid. But like I say, those differences are all kind of minimised around here. Just uh, brilliant starting again on the clean side behind Max Verstappen. Second row is going to be Ocon and Science in that Ferrari, which still looks like a handful to me. I mean, what do I know? But it just looks like, well, Science fourth and Leclerc demoted to sixth. It just doesn't look... It's not comfortable or easy uh, to drive or malleable on track. And then between all of those, Lewis Hamilton in fifth in the Mercedes, his teammate George Russell in eighth, uh, second Alpine of Gasly in seventh, finishing off the top ten, uh, Sonoda in ninth, who at times uh, topped the timesheets today. Uh, uh, obviously, everyone's had some sequence and stuff, but still. And, uh, and Lando Norris, yeah, as you say, hindered in Q3, uh, lines up ahead of his teammate in tenth with Oscar uh, Piastri, who I think, uh, I know, 11th, obviously... It would be seen as not a great result, but around Monaco, he's kept it out of the wall. He's kept it clean. He's kind of built up over his weekend, started very, very slow. Um, so good luck to the Mercedes and uh, McLaren Mercedes drivers uh, tomorrow. Let's talk a little bit about Merck then as our um, our technical editor. Uh, Jake, you finally arrived in Monaco and uh, the teams will have to put their, their cars on show uh, these days and tell us what changes they've made. Uh, we talked about six big ones yesterday on the podcast with Sam that we did on on Friday, the noticeable ones, things like the side pods and 
the shape of the sides of the car. Uh, as our technical editor, what did you make of Mercedes when they uh, they rolled out of the garage yesterday or Thursday, whenever it was? Well, actually, we had a kind of chance to get a little bit of insight because um, Mercedes usually gives us a little bit of a debrief on uh, how things are going uh, in the team. Now, the drivers have kind of tried to be a little bit circumspect with how they talk about the new updates because as many people have said, it's Monaco and you can't really realistically judge the updates because it's a circuit unlike any other. You're 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 definitely going 100%, but um, naturally you kind of want to preserve the car a little bit more. So maybe you're not taking everything out of it, let's say. You're not making the most of those new parts. But ultimately, the, the, the signs seem to be as thus, which is that the updates have caused no new problems to the car. The drivers have found braking stability to be a little bit stronger, and that's through a revised suspension package as well. So it's not just necessarily side pods, but also um, Mercedes trying to make the most out of their car mechanically rather than just purely aerodynamically, because that's something that Red Bull has been able to do so well this season and so well last season as well. So there's that greater stability. Um, It's still at a very early stage and um, Lewis Hamilton and George Russell as well to an extent, but Hamilton was probably the more vocal of the two about it probably didn't find it the easiest car to drive around Monaco and part of that I think is just having all of these new components and you're not really able to tune them in properly you kind of have to run what you brung really Um, Mm -hmm. (laughs) and when we get to Barcelona particularly next weekend um, because it's such a it's a circuit that everybody knows well um, it is somewhere that is a much more traditional Formula 1 circuit there's going to be lots of opportunities in practice and things like that to actually try things out in practice in Monaco it's all about trying not to put it in the wall and Mm -hmm. uh, find confidence for a qualifying lap and race runs are pretty secondary to that so I think it's it's an encouraging start for sure um, with all of these updates as you say yeah the side pods are the big ticket item there but there are changes elsewhere down the car as I say with suspension a little bit of floor and that sort of thing just because these new parts need to complement each other and uh, sticking new side pods onto a car on its own isn't necessarily going to do a whole lot. It might hinder you more than anything else. Well, let's have a look at who else was a hero today and who was more of a zero. Well, look, I mean, I want to say amazing Fernando Alonso, obviously for second place on the grid. I'm saying amazing for Esteban Ocon in that Alpine. And Gasly as well, seventh. You know, Alpine senior management there have been very unhappy with how the season's gone so far, piling pressure on uh, the team. But that's that's a brilliant brilliant result today not great for Lance Stroll uh, in the second Aston Martin down in 14th uh, pretty bad for Haas in their 150th race wasn't it yep uh, this weekend in in 17th and 18th for Magnussen and Hulkenberg that's pretty forgettable uh, Bottas doing all right in 15th and uh, Joe down in 19th of course Perez like I say in last place uh, with a lot of work to do um, I mean, plenty of stuff. I've not looked at the uh, the kind of results, the news of that. I don't know if you've heard anything, but that's, you know, two two sides of the car to rebuild or two corners to rebuild and maybe a gearbox and floor even looked like it took a whack as well. So um, that's a big old job tonight and uh, uh, tomorrow for the the engineers. Um, yeah, I think that's pretty much, pretty much sums up where we are. Who haven't we mentioned? De Vries in the second Alpha Tauri. Great for, for Sonoda. Uh, Nick De Vries down in 
12th. I think you should be pretty happy uh, with that. What they can do on Sunday afternoon, though, well, it's Monaco. So it's going to be a bit of a procession. But we know there's going to be safety cars, virtual safety cars, maybe a red flag. How's the weather? I've not looked at that. What's it, it looked pretty nice today on the telly coverage. Uh, is it going to be the same again, or could that throw a curveball in? Have you looked at the forecast? In where we are at the moment, it reckons uh, around race time of about 3 o'clock, 80% chance of rain. Uh, whether that's reliable or not, um, that is... Uh, well, we'll find out tomorrow for sure. We're going to have to look out the window and see. Um, Absolutely. But even if it's wet or dry, we've got a lot of cars kind of, maybe you'd consider them out of position. Uh, a lot of different cars in different places. Keep your fingers crossed, keep your toes crossed, and uh, hopefully we'll have a we'll have a classic. Yeah, I think that's probably going to be Fernando Alonso's strategy tomorrow, that if he is uh, clearly a second going into the first corner, uh, just to, to follow Max Verstappen and uh, look after the car, look after the tyres, and then wait and see. You know, maybe Max will pit first, and Alonso can put in a few stunning laps. I don't think that's going to happen, though. I think Max is going to try and have it all covered off. But, you know, people can pit at a certain time, and then somebody just randomly hits the wall, and it throws it all up in the air. Can't wait to see. JBR, thank you so much for joining us on the podcast today. Of course, tune in on Sunday for our big old Monaco review uh, sometime on Sunday night. Monday, look out for our Indy 500 review. Uh, with our man Charles Bradley and Mandy Curry, who are both at the event. I can't wait to talk to them about the Indy 500 if you're watching both events tomorrow. What a treat for motorsport fans tomorrow is. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you on the next one. Sports Social Podcast Network.